What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Loop Page Podcast, episode number 49. Make sure you click subscribe so you can stay up to date because I release a new episode every couple of weeks. Um, you can also find me over on Instagram as well. So um, my handle there is at Luke underscore page. Um, I have just got off a really awesome episode with business performance coach Jem Cooper. And um, we speak about a really important topic. It's kind of like a bit of an old school topic in a way. But um, we're, we're making old school new school because this one's all about how building relationships and networking can open up doors to your business. Enjoy. Welcome to the Luke Page Podcast. I am here to inspire people to live a life that they love. It's why I do what I do. Join me on the pursuit of my life's vision and my own business success through meeting amazing business owners, entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking people that are here to make impact and change the world. Yo. Yo. Hi, can you hear me okay? I can hear. Can you hear me okay? I can. I Is can. everything, can you hear me okay? How's that, Maloka? Is it Maloka? Mioka, yeah, Mioka. Well, some see, yeah, it's it's like spelt two ways. You can be me. Mallorca, Mallorca, it's like, yeah, people, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. We had rain yeah. for the first time in like three weeks yesterday. Um, so it feels very refreshed this morning. I'm sure you know the same, the same thing. It's just like, actually, it's like, oh, you know, yeah. I can breathe. The air feels all refreshed. So <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, we live like uh, at the, basically like the southern point of Australia. So okay. summer, it can get quite extreme here, but like say winter, it's cold, yeah. It's last day of winter here, which is um, really exciting because, like, the winters here suck. They're not nice. They're not like, um, I don't know if you've heard of, like, the Gold Coast up in Australia. Yeah. Um, that's like, you know, it's always, like, you know, all year round, sun there, sun and surf and beaches, that type of thing. Uh, in Melbourne, you get, uh, it's like, um, I think San Francisco are similar. The weather, it's known as four seasons in one day type thing, very volatile. So, yeah, um, and my yeah. friend lived in um, my friend, my friend lived in um, Melbourne, and he comes from here, and he said, yeah, the same. It's like very English. It's kind of like just crazy weather, but um, yeah. <laughs> Melbourne. That's like everyone. If you live here, you don't say Melbourne. You say Melbourne. But I think is Melbourne. there a Mel? Melbourne. Is there a Melbourne? Because there's one in the US. There's a Melbourne in the US, I think around Florida or something like that, possibly. Is there a Melbourne yeah, really? over in UK? No, we don't have, we have like, we have similar sounding, but no. Yeah. So, okay, Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. It's like <laughs> M-A-L-B-E-N, even though, you know, it's spelled B-O-R-B-O-U-R-N-E. I think that's how you pronounce the Ben and the Born, anyway. <laughs> What's the... um? What's the scariest thing that you've done over the past week? The scariest thing? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose um, I took a, a rather kind of... Uh, it's, only, it's only Tuesday. You're not giving me uh, much much chance here. No, but... Um, uh, in the, in the uh, I give you the past seven days. <laughs> in the past seven days. No, and so actually yesterday I had a very, like, I'm not sure if this is the right for the podcast, but um, I, I have started... Anything's right for the podcast. Poss- Sorry? Anything's right for this podcast. This podcast has well, got no um, rules. So I, I had a client come on who was um, a very, very, very sort of, talented business professional um who uh i think a past me would have gone holy smokes like is this um you know can i can i keep up to that level kind of thing um and so a lot of kind of um a lot of affirmations have been going on and a lot of kind of just you know reaffirming the fact that sort of ages ages is a number and like there's yeah. life experiences and it you know doesn't matter i'm literally tw- i'm literally half his age um and he's yeah, done some yeah, really yeah. incredible things but in the yeah. same kind he reached out to me so it's like um so that was pretty scary actually um yeah. to yeah are you like um because i'm 35 you're similar to my age eh? are you in your 20s I'm, so i'm 25 next week yeah so um i mean you would like i reckon i'm okay now yeah but like say I don't know, maybe 
before I hit 30, um, I really struggled with the age thing. You know what I mean? Like I always like, I would have like an insecurity around my age and especially because a lot of the things I would, situations I get myself into, I'm dealing with older people. And totally. like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, it's a tough thing, isn't it? It's like. It is. And it's just like, um, well, I, I say the same. It's like, well, it's all very well. You have 20 years in corporate, but you've lived 20 of the same years. You haven't lived 20 different years. And yeah. from my kind of life, I've been through quite a few lifetimes. And yes, I am only 25, but I've packed yeah. a lot in those years. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So what, like, say someone's listened to this and they, they're maybe younger and they deal with older people and they have a bit of an insecurity. What, what advice would you give them? So um, I think like it's really, really important to remember that kind of experience, you, you don't have to like, um, you have to step into the, your wealth, your worth. You, yeah. it, it's not like degrees matter more than life experience because you can't put life experience, you can't put a number on life experience. You can't quantify life experience. You can't um, give it a, you know, an A plus or an A grade, you know, or a B grade or whatever it is. Mm. Um, I think it's really important to shift away from the, the what, 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 and focus on more of the kind of like the why and the transformation rather than focusing on, okay, what are the new nuances of X, Y, Z that I've done? Or, you know, what degrees do I have? Or how many years in a corporate setting have I been in when I'm facing up with corporate people? It's like, I've been yeah. in an office for literally two months of my life. Yet I work with quite a lot of people transitioning out of corporate. And initially I was like, you know, how can I, how can I compare? But then again, other, other areas of my life experience, um, can speak very, very well to, um, you know, to that kind of environment, that kind of um, uh, sort of the rules, the regulations, the boundaries, the hierarchy, um, yeah. and so bringing in different aspects through. So always think about uh, not what you, you know, not what you have done, but what you can um, create in other people, or what transformation can you can you create? What you know, outside the box thinking what outside the box experiences can you bring into the situation to broaden the horizons for the individual you're working with mm, i think like the the out of the box thinking i think it's like a such a important skill in life like it's probably one of the the biggest things that i would want to teach because i think about all the time like what what are the like what are the main things that i want to teach our kids that's one of the things i'll be like i want to teach them out of the box thinking. I think it's just like, if you can think out of the box, I just think you have such a major advantage in basically anything that you do. Because I think a lot of majority of people just think the same as each other. It's in, it, it is, it's inside the box. It's conventional thinking. I just think you have such a major advantage in life when you can actually think differently to everyone else. Totally. And it's, it's funny you say that because I have this well, phrase and very much like a philosophy of mine, if you call it that, is there are a million ways to make a million pounds. And it, there's so much out there like pushing us towards one thing or one way of thinking. We grow up through the school system, meaning like you have to be academic in the way that they, they want you to perform or you, know, you have to show your intelligence in a yep. certain way. Yet, um, and then you move into kind of entrepreneurship or you move into corporate, let's say, and there's a very strict rule. Like you can't be, you can't be CEO before you've done the intern bit. And then before you get like the account manager and then senior account manager, and it moves up like that. Yeah. And there's very strict structures and, you know, you can't speak out of turn and, you know, or it's occasional that people speak out of turn. And then entrepreneurship is the same thing, but different because we then have people coming in and going, you know, webinars is the only way, quizzes is the only way you've got to, you know, no, it's, you know, you need to go on Facebook Live. You need to focus on Pinterest. And like, there's all these ways that people say you have to do things. But mm. ultimately, anyone that stands out from the crowd, any one of the legends that made those things, the guy, you know, Ryan Levesque, he does quiz funnels, uh, or Peter Adaro, who does challenges, or um, um, Jeff Walker with his launch formula and email and really bringing that forward. They all did it. They were always all doing something outside the box to begin with, right? They're, they're now in the box thing was something that they created out their own their own right. And realistically, there is so many thousands and thousands of strategies out there that will work. It's yep. a case of, okay, which one works to me? Because if I go all in on anything, it will absolutely work. So having the confidence to do that despite what's been before, um, mm. I think is really, really key. Did you, um, 
Did you go to university or anything like that? I did. I hated it. (laughs) I went to university. So I went, I did a psychology degree. um, And that was a case of I'd left my dancing career and didn't quite know what to do. um, And it was very much my parents' decision rather than mine. Mm. Um, I didn't know sort of what other direction to take, which I think other lots of people are in that situation, whether they've been through something like like I did when there was a big transformation in their life, or actually they're just actually heading out of school and it's like, okay, there's a big wide world, what do I do next? Well, you just follow the status quo. Yeah. Um, I found university quite challenging in the sense I was kind of fighting the system of um, being a psychology degree, it was incredible. So, so broad, so many different directions you could take it in. Um, and so much sort of, uh, there's lots of crossover between sort of like social dynamics as well as you know scientific research and all the rest of it. And I was pushing, pushing, pushing to sort of um, go down different routes. And we were very much pushed into one avenue to uh, do our essays or assignments or research. Um, and I found that quite challenging because actually I didn't want to write in the way that you know that got me the you know the top grades or whatever. I wanted to write in a way that explains some sort of theory or something I noticed socially or anecdotally which I was noticing you know patterns and um and that didn't go down so well but I, I did all right <laughs> and, um, you know I, I got the degree now so yeah but... so you finished it <laughs> yeah I did yeah. I, I tried to uh, change my course every year of the three yeah. years I ended up yeah with a, a pretty good degree and um I'm sure it will be uh, useful at some point I'm yet to find that <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I, I no, I'm very privileged to have learned <laughs> some of the things I have met the lecturers and things um would I suggest anyone else go to university and um over anything else if you want to absolutely yeah if you can fast track and make become an entrepreneur four years earlier definitely do it <laughs> yeah that's what I'd say so like when did you when was the point where you're like so, you, you know, you went to university and it's kind of like, oh, you know, not that you exactly wanted to do it, but it's just like, you know, this is what you do type thing. When was the point where you're like, you know what, this kind of conventional way of living is not really my thing? What was the, what was the point where you're like, hey, now I'm going to start taking, you know, action towards that? It happened long, long before university, I think. I think I've always, always done things a little bit differently. Um, I suppose right from a very young age, I had quite an unusual um, sort of experience or childhood. I, um, I was very, very serious in classical ballet to a very, very high level, but I started that at four years old. And by seven, it was getting a little bit more serious. By nine, I was training sort of 14 hours a week. When, when you're nine, I mean, that's significant Crazy. hours of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by 12, it was, I was going off to sort of high level dancing courses um I moved to a full-time training school um etc and in a sense it was like having a you know your nine to five which was school and then you know your side hustle and so I've always had like the side hustle thing all the way along and I've always had to be very adaptable very sort of sort of going against the grain because what I was doing was not what everyone else was doing and when people were worrying about you know she's my best friend she's not my best friend I was worrying about actually okay which which dance school do I go to to pursue a contract in like, you know, three years time when I was 12. Mm. And it's like, it's very, I had to mature very, very fast. I think um, I was also put into lots of situations where I was dealing with people far beyond my chronological age um, and dealing with pretty advanced um, situations. I said, I suppose looking forwards towards a career, which was um, starts very very young in in dance sort of 15 16 17 18 you really sort of dive in um, and then you're kind of over and done with by the time you're 25 26 depending on you know how many injuries you have so mm. I was fast track very um very quickly and I had to be very resourceful to be able to do that so dancing is an incredibly expensive sport um, and I had to work out how to make that possible so it was very much I very much was self-driven in my dancing it wasn't that I had sort of um, pushy parents you know, pushing me through, it was very much me doing it myself. So sort of right from a very young age, it's like when I um, went to my point shoes that, um, on your tippy toes, um, <laughs> it was kind of like hundred pounds every pair of point shoes. So to mm. facilitate that, I would 
um, run dance classes when I was like 12, 13 to be able to mm. pay for the shoes. And then when I got a bit older, it was like, okay, how do I make money in order for me to, to do this? Um, and so kind of the entrepreneurial spirit of doing things a little bit different started very, very young. So that question for me is like, there wasn't really a transition because there's never been another, there's never been another way. Um, I guess I, when I finished my dancing career, I started my very first business, which was my first real attempt at entrepreneurship, I guess. Um, I had a Pilates business, which was pretty successful. It took me through my entire gap, like, well, in between year of finishing dancing and starting university and then supported all my living expenses for the first and second year of university. So it was like pretty um, successful as an experience. And that was a good, um, yeah, being thrust into entrepreneurship. Although I didn't necessarily know it was that at the time. I didn't sort of, I just had a business or I had mm. a thing. Yeah. Um, and then sort of, yeah, going against grain and working out um, when it really, really started, I suppose, being more significant in the business um when I went to university <laughs> long story but I ended up by taking up Ironman triathlon which is the sport that I do now so ballerina triathlete is really the journey um but I thought ballet was expensive then I tried triathlon and that was extraordinary um <laughs> and again I needed to work out how to how to make it work so I sort of reverse engineered the people that were making it work and identified that kind of sponsorship and social media was probably the way to go so I yeah. worked it out. I figured it out, um, you know, really kind of studied all these people at the top and studied you know, sports stars and whatever and realized that sports marketing was probably something I should learn. Um, I got an internship at a uh, endurance sports marketing agency in the town where I was at university. And I worked in, a, um, I started off as kind of tea girl. And within a couple of months, I was leading um, client calls and, and really taking on a role as kind of a, um, uh, account manager types or a junior account manager um, and that was really when I was like okay now this is this is fun like business is like so exciting I love the thrill I love the the peaks and the troughs and you know and the chopping and changing and how many areas I can go and that really started my journey it was like okay now this is definitely business is what I want to go um but the company I was in was very very flexible with a time very sports orientated so people just went off a rise at lunch and that was totally cool. And, you know, people come in late because they were training and it was very, very flexible. And I love that idea of kind of a, um, a business where you could do the lifestyle and, the, and um, the work in one to sort of support the other, if you like. So it was a endurance sports agency, like I said, so it was, it was critical that we all understood the sport. Um, mm -hmm. So I love that concept. Um, and I took it further when I, um, I didn't want my business education to stop after a four month internship. So I started consulting uh, alongside university right for my first year. And then it kind of went, um, yeah, on from there. <laughs> awesome. So like you've, you going back to your Pilates, that was an offline business, right? What's the, what would you say that the major offline, differences? Yeah. yeah like, like, what would you say like the major differences between growing your offline business and an online business? Do you know, I don't know if they're hugely different. I was going to say my offline business was, was purely driven by referrals, really. I, I had very little need for um, any sort of online presence. I had a few people coming through Facebook um, and like Facebook groups I set up and a small website, but really the majority was word of mouth. But I would say in the online space, especially in the high ticket uh, area, when you're starting off, it can be a case, you know, you just got to get stuff out there. But once you get one or two, then it's amazing how that word of mouth does spread because people do talk and whether they talk sort of online, but, you know, re referring people as they would in a, in a coffee shop or they are actually in person. I think that's a very, very powerful tool. Um, one thing is, I think looking at it is time as an expense is different offline and online. So for instance, when I was doing classes instructing, there was, um, it wasn't just the case of you make 50 quid for an hour. It was okay. Well, that, that hour actually takes me, you know, two or two and a quarter hours because I've got the travel in there. And then that's an additional cost that kind of just thinking about it differently, but really thinking about the time, um, invested, um, 
the thing I would say was a great sort of benefit of the offline is that like once you had finished that class, that was it. And you could just, you know, put it away. The class was, was done, dusted, it was boxed off. You just went at nine till 10 and that was it. Whereas online, I think the boundaries can sometimes sway. Say, like, okay, I'm on social media, but am I looking at my friends and, you know, their cute new puppy or am I actually, you know, working and, you know, identifying ideal clients or checking out the competition? Um, and that is actually something admittedly I do find quite intense I think the online world is just so on and you have to have such clear boundaries there's not an on and an off um that's so distinct when when you're online mm, do you know Elaine yesterday my, um, I was having a meeting with a VA and um she manages my social media and um she made a suggestion which I, I even after one day I'm like feeling the difference here which is so good you know how you got your Instagram account, you got like the general and the primary folder. <laughs> so what's happening in the, the DMs, she's speaking to a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm also having conversations. So she's handling a lot of my conversations, but then I've got my, so for example, when I'm speaking to you, Gem, it's me speaking, but then I'll, I'll have a lot of people that are just, you know, asking questions and I don't know them if that makes sense. Um, yep. So she'll kind of, She'll nurture the, that relationship until it gets to the point where I come in. And she's like, she goes, I'm so confused with this like DMs because, you know, we're both using it simultaneously different times of day and she's looking at conversations and things like that. And then she's like, why don't you just like you use the general folder and then I'll use the primary folder. So then we've got our own folders now. So like I've just like pushed like my conversation slowly over. <laughs> like that's such a, I don't know, I don't know why I brought that up, but uh, anyone listening, there's a trick it, for it's you. Just, yeah, it's, it, well, it's just finding the systems at work. So when I started, um, I ran a marketing consultancy agency. Um, mm. And at one time I was managing, I think I had 13 Instagram accounts. 13? 13 or 30? 13. 13. But it was, one, three. it was me, one, three. Oh, that's nuts. Um, yeah. It was, it like, oh, I've got to say my personal one got no love during that time because yeah. it was just like, I can't look at anything else. Um, and there are a few occasions that I accidentally, or when you have um, multiple accounts on your, your Instagram, well, it's certainly, it's, it's, there was a bug for a while. I think they've fixed it now because I don't have the problem. I have slightly fewer accounts to be fair, but um, there was a bug for a while that kept on swapping them back. So you'd answer on one and then like the reply would come through on another or like vice versa i had, I had a few <laughs> moments uh, sending yeah, yeah. Uh, wrong things from my personal onto it onto a business one. but apart <laughs> from that um yeah i completely get it it's just finding the systems that work for you and like mm. it's systems 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 is something that mm. i've certainly learned the hard way and not something i'm a natural uh, it's not something in my natural ability so it's always like Sometimes the most simple is the best, like you say. Actually, just having those two folders that you get is, you know, life-changing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, coming back to what you said about the difference between offline and online that you found, and it sounded like sounded like the key difference were two things stood out to me. Marketing, like there's a need, a lot. There was a lot larger need for marketing, especially in the early, time, early stages of the online business. As in the the the, the uh, what's it called? The Pilates was almost like, hey, everyone, I'm in business. You get a client, and then they refer someone, they refer someone else, and before you know it, you've got like you know clients coming in. And you're feeling like a feeling a class, but the online space, it's almost like you're starting, and it's like no one knows you exactly, and it's getting your message out there. And this kind of leads us on to you know why I wanted to speak to you, which is building relationships, yeah, and networking. So. Um, where did you feel like what I mean, why do you think actually, why do you think it's important to to build relationships with say if we've got an online everyone listening to this has got an online business, right? Um, my audience has Gem. Um, so why do you think building relationships is like a major skill, important skill? And I mean, do you believe it's an important skill? A hundred uh hundred and hundred percent. And it is similar related to you know how I grew my class business and still you know, even this far on, I get people coming to me, even now they've said, oh, I've heard you do Pilates from my friend. Do you still do it? So like <laughs> the, the legacy of those kind of things lives mm. on when through this kind of relationship. I think the human component is so, so, so key. Just like I said, we're getting overwhelmed and so much information coming in and so many people pulling us in different directions. Um, 
actually, you know, having someone to make it simple for you, simplify and go, yeah, I could Google it, but you can give me the answer right away. And there's too much noise out there. And that's what a relationship kind of does, that element of kind of when you're able to speak to someone on more of a personal level, you're developing that trust. That means you become a sort of go-to individual, which saves the person having to sort of absorb all of that noise from, from everyone else. So it sort of it short tracks people's journey, which is a benefit for the customer, which means that they come to you in kind of a uh, more favorable sort of um, state, if you like. They're, they're kind of already grateful for what you've done for them to just cut out the noise and give them the answers. And they'll have confidence in your ability to take them forward. But fundamentally, I would say one of the biggest things with relationships is you never know which one relationship will lead to an absolute explosion in whether that's sales or people coming into a world or joint venture partnerships or collaborations or you just never know. And mm. um, one of the, like I said, some of the biggest things I ever um, achieved sort of with the Pilates business was purely down from people I spoke to and relationships I developed from starting off with a cup of coffee or starting off to attending other people's classes and then uh, I, I sort of shadowed a um, instructor that I just sort of asked you know hey can I just come because I'd love to get some you know different ideas happy for you to come and sit in my class sort of thing and that led to three of my biggest contracts which were the um, with sort of major health clubs, which were the big money generators. And that was just a case of going out and reaching out to people and putting myself out there and building a kind of friendship, if you like. But the same thing goes online. So some of my biggest wins, if you like, have simply been through reaching out to people as a human and talking to them just the same as I would do if I was going, you know, bumping into them in the supermarket or, or you know, a networking event offline. Mm. But um, it's those one, you know, those few lucky conversations, those few, um, I say lucky, I'll explain that in a minute, but those few uh, connections actually have led to the majority of um, of my business. Um, and it's the thing, if I say um, sort of lucky connections. I don't so much believe in luck. I believe in putting yourself in the right place enough number of times that luck is inevitable. Um, but if you sort of continue to nurture if you continue to reach out if you broaden that network at some point someone knows something that you don't or someone can introduce you to someone that you hadn't met yet or ex uh, expand your idea horizons um, and that is very very powerful it's a little bit like the 80 20 rule that we hear kind of a lot of the time what's kind of making 80 percent of your revenue and taking 20 percent of your time well networking is probably just that it takes a, a, you know it doesn't take a lot it doesn't take a lot of brain power to send a few messages to follow up on someone, to offer value to someone, you need to start um, developing some sort of collaboration or whatever it is. Um, and they can open up a whole world of opportunity for you and your business. Yeah, cool. So like, like what, when you kind of do this networking relationship building, is it something where you've got it in your diary and it's like, you know what, this is relationship building time. Does it happen? Does it just happen freely? Like, How's it, how do you approach it? Yeah, I mean, some and some. Sometimes it's just like I'll be doing other doing other things, you know, looking at Facebook groups or, or um, working on my Instagram. Someone comes up and I'm like, wow, that's such an interesting profile. And then I'll actively reach out to them. And that will just kind of be an ad hoc. Um, but absolutely, so I have, in, I have invested very heavily in being in mastermind groups and sort of networking environments. So I'm able to put myself in front of these people and they they have scheduled events where, um, you know, you you come and that, that is the intention, but I tend to take them offline. So for me, I, I probably spend a good five to eight hours, depending a week on speaking to people that, that may be relationships that are already developed, but on speaking to people within my network and looking at opportunities or supporting them or, you know, I'm a big, big, believer in giving value giving value giving value because we are reciprocal beings so it will come back to us you know in, in some way shape or form but um for instance just yesterday I had 
two hour long conversations, one with a, um, and not everyone, you know, has this, has this time I appreciate, but um, one with, with someone that I'm doing um, a kind of service swap collaboration, but that has led on to quite a, um, a nice commission uh, opportunity for us both, both ways. Um, so that was just someone I met through um, a networking event. And then another lady I met just from a Facebook group. I really like jammed with a comment that they put on someone's post. And I just sort of went into their, slid into their DMs and said, you know, wow, you know, what an interesting story. We got talking, turns out we were both athletes. And now again, we've got a, um, a collaboration going on where there's a kind of commission component as well in that, because that's, that's a really, like one of the fundamental and uh, one of the sort of easiest wins, I guess, with, with relationship building is actually being able to benefit from referring each other. Like when you really know someone and they have a service or they have a style that you, you don't, um, then, you know, it's no brainer to be able to source out some sort of relationship. If you, if you believe in them and you believe that you would, um, you know, you, you respect what they're doing and you'd be comfortable with your reputation being associated with that, then why not just ask for commission? You know, more people um, than you'd know would be very, very happy to say, hey, yeah, if I get, you know, a 5K client and I have to pay you 500 bucks for the privilege, happy days, you know, it's quids into me, I get a new client and, um, you know, it's great for me because though I can't help that individual, let's say, I can refer on, I get a small thank you commission, but the, the client gets, um, you know, the best service that they they can and ultimately we want to serve our clients to the best of our ability and that may mean if they grow their business using the service that my my friend or colleague can provide for them they may grow their business at which time they may come back and you know um engage in my services in, in some different way so to be honest is that like there's there's no it's a no loss situation um it's just a case of going out putting yourself out there and being brave enough to ask the worst thing that happened is you know, they don't reply. They say no to your Zoom coffee. And if you sort of introduce commission, I mean, if you make no sales, you get no commission. If they make no sales, um, you don't lose anything. So, you know, it's it's very um, equitable. So you mentioned um, collaboration. So that's one form of a relationship. What do you have any other forms? I mean, of course, there's clients. Um, is there any other forms of relationships where you're like, you know, okay, well, you know, obviously I want to build relationships with people to become clients, build relationships with future potential collaborations. Is there any other form of relationships that you go and seek out? So um, I've been looking into sort of uh, a few joint venture partnerships, which is, which is a little bit like collaboration, but a little bit more um, sort of formal in nature. So looking at new business opportunities where I have perhaps a great idea, but I don't have the fulfillment ability. So it's like, well, how can we, how can we actually join up and um, more formally in a business format to, to create a um, mutually sort of um, beneficial business or, you know, or, or grow a business. So that's taking things to a slightly higher level, but um, which is quite strong. I also would say sort of flipping back from a business standpoint, I would say I have a very supportive business network which is kind of you know, friend business or colleague I don't you know don't really quite know where to where to put them but people that I can call on and go hey you know I have a really big problem with x client have you ever had this before and they will just sort of advise me and support me from a business standpoint and that's not the kind of the friendship relationship that I might have when I go paddle surfing with someone at the weekend or, or you know grab um grab dinner in my house or something but it's people that I have that kind of professional stance in our conversation which I find very very beneficial um and the other type of relationship kind of further to that is I'm a big believer in mentorship um coaching yes but I I like sort of coaching I think sometimes can have the connotations of I'm telling you what to do it's my way or the highway um whereas kind of this mentorship idea is a little bit putting you as the individual in control and kind of you taking ownership and it's I'm advising and you can absorb that in and it you know different places in your career you may need different things or you may need both so you may need coaches in some areas like I have a sports coach I can you know if he just you know advise me I would you know not be where I am at all um <laughs> so you know different things for different um reasons but my mentors um are really really key as well to give me the big picture give me the different 
uh, viewpoint challenge me um, and question some of the things I'm doing as well from a place of experience and um, yeah, and knowing. <laughs> Do you ever get intimidated reaching out to people, certain people where you perceive them as, you know, a, a completely different level to you? Totally, totally. And I think lots of people, I don't think I'm alone in doing at all um and it's amazing isn't it because i will sometimes be intimidated by the numbers of followers people have and then if i've met them in a different scenario for instance with your offline social media you'll be talking and like no problem and then i realize they have you know three hundred thousand followers and you're like holy smokes i would not like i would never have reached out to them you know if i'd known that mm. and it's funny because i didn't have a huge social media following but i have around sort of eight thousand on um instagram and to me like I don't see that as large. I don't see that as big as scary. And I know that I'm, I would just talk to anyone. Like I'm <laughs> <a big child laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas people come to me and be like, you know, uh, I'm sure you have so many messages. You won't, um, you probably won't read this, but I just wanted to say, or people meet me in another scenario and like, oh, but you're like a mega influencer. And it's just like, it's such a perspective uh, and it's mm. so um, misconceiving, uh, you know, where people are. It's interesting also when I meet people, for instance, on podcasts, um, yep. I've met some extraordinary individuals and people that have been CEOs of massive, massive corporate businesses um, or, you know, led, uh, been on the executive team for companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And like, you can't imagine if you were walking down in London or something around Bank, which is where the, all the offices are, everyone in their suits and ties. Yeah, I can't imagine sort of approaching one of those mm. individuals. They, um, well, sort of definitely not a former me would not have gone and approached them. Yet I'm speaking to people at this level. I've just given it the context and framework of being in a podcast and it suddenly makes it easier. So I think that's mm. a really important thing from a sort of mindset and psychological perspective um, to understand as well. It's like where you're putting yourself in different environments and how you then interpret that and how you interpret your value or where you rank yourself, you know, socially or, or in your career, depending on the environment. But realistically, nothing has changed. Their experience hasn't changed. Your experience hasn't changed. Your personality hasn't changed. Their personality hasn't changed. Your fees haven't changed. Neither of theirs or their income or whatever it is. Um, and that I think where Certainly, um, it's something that's still a work in progress for me, but doing that internal work of identifying what is your value and why you can stand your ground for what you are and whether you've got 59 degrees, five PhDs and, you know, an ex-corporate career, or mm. actually you're a mum starting off, you know, with your first business and on paper, you don't have those five PhDs, but you've brought up, you know, five beautiful children. And now you're transitioning with a crazy lifestyle, um, you know, managing all these things, holding the families together and starting your side hustle, which is just, you know, pushing on five figures. That is insane in its own way. And I'm a big believer in like just screwing all these like, um, like socially derived uh, versions of it, of success or achievement or you've done all right you know and actually just just holding your own because everyone can bring something to the world in their own way um but you've got to just really really believe that and I know that's that's tricky at first. If, if you had someone say whether like they want to make a connection with someone but they're freaking out yeah they're like maybe they're maybe they've got 300,000 followers or 3 million followers or something like that and they look at their account and they're like oh I've got 500 followers like, you know, how am I going to be reaching out to this person? What, uh, what would you say to that person? What advice would you give them to help them actually take the action and go for it? Okay. So number one, if it is just a case of, um, I'm going to like two ways because there needs to be some practicality here. Um, if like, if it's just a case of I need to actually do this to know it's not going to, you know, nothing bad is going to happen. I'd always kind of recommend that to kind of like prove to yourself, hey, it's not actually as scary just typing five words. Send it out to the account because, you know, hey, what is the worst that's going to happen? But I would say in that scenario, just like you, there is probably someone else managing their account. So it's not going to be, it's unlikely, um, you know, if they have a huge, huge account that they will actually be the person. So look mm -hmm. at other ways to making contact with that person. You so sure, Jim? Don't like if you've got like, you know, 50 million followers, like Katy Perry's just sitting there replying to her millions of comments each yeah, day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 
no. Uh, although I think I'm not going to lie. When I st- before I started sort of social media management and things, I, I'm pretty sure I would have thought that she would be. Wow, she's very quick with her thumbs. <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> um, but you know, let's be realistic. But that they are still a human, and these people are amazingly reachable if you kind of think outside the box. So mm. I would look for other ways to get in contact with that person. So there's a f- yeah. few things you can do, and it depends how serious you are. Like if you really want Tim Ferriss on your podcast, you're going to have to do some work, right? So yeah. um, you can explore other avenues where they may be available so they may not be the ones replying on instagram but however they may be available on twitter or linkedin or something that's more you know more likely to be them actually sort of actioning that or there's a good old format of actually sending letters like i know this is a crazy concept but you can actually send physical letters to these people and so lead with that. I'm very inspired by you. You know, I would like to add value to your community in any way, like really celebrating them uh, to begin with playing the kind of long course. But, you know, how many of us actually receive physical letters? It's like if you can, obviously you need their address, but you can uh, reverse engineer the bottom of emails and um, there's always an address at the bottom of an email and things like that. So you can look at ways like that. If you are close to the individual as well, um, learn more about them so uh grant cardone always says if you can't if you can't drink the wine at the table serve it so it's like can you get in the room with that with that person like how can you uh engage in a networking event and then find an opportunity to go to them and i know again this is getting increasingly more scary to do that but at the end of the day you've got to realize that nothing bad is going to happen because mm. they either will say yes and you know, lead into something and it's surprising how people do if you write the right sort of letter if you you really uh show that you've done your research on them or if you uh indicate that you're aware of their charitable activations and you want to support something that they're, they're doing it's amazing how these people will surprise you um and you know come out of the woodwork at times um but so you either get you know the positive answer or you learn a great deal because going through this process you you know, even if you don't get to the individual or you get to their gatekeeper, you get to their PA or something, which is a pretty, you know, pretty advanced level in the scale of getting to the the, the big dogs there. You will learn a lot on, on the way. It's likely that you will have researched different things that you didn't know about. You will have probably found other connections in their world that you weren't aware of. Um, and the process of doing it would hopefully also show you that, um, that you can, you know, you it's, it's just another human being that you're you're trying to connect to and, and you are on the same level. They, they don't have, uh, they still have an email address. They still have, you know, a house. They still have a post box. They are just like you in many, many ways. So it mm. just helps you to realize um, that you're on a little bit more of a level, level, level playing field. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the, the networking and building relationships thing, uh, I mean, it's, it can just really open up things for your, for your business. Um, and I think from, you know, if you look at majority of people and if we're talking about the online business for a second, uh, majority of people are like, okay, well, I'm, I need to get clients. I need to get clients, I need to get clients. But if you look at say, you know, really successful online business owners, um, they're huge on that collaboration thing. It's not just about clients. They're massive on the collaboration part and the JVs and everything like that. Well, I'll probably want to get your, I want to get your process just like for someone that's like listening to this gem and they're like, all right, well, sounds good. I'm sold on the idea of building relationships. I've got to step my relationship game up. What's like a, like specific, like simple steps on, okay, for two things. If you're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to go out there and build some, my, my goal today is to build some relationships for potential clients, right? I'm curious to get you this rough process for that so people can go, oh, yeah, sweet, I can follow that. And then also for collaborations, what would be, you know, rough process steps that you'd go for that? Let's start with clients. Okay, so with clients, um, there's the good old way of, just going in, you know, starting the conversation with a DM, just, just like you teach there. But I always like to preface that DM with some reason. I cannot stand anything coming into my inbox. It's just like, check out my webinar. I'm like, 
who are you? I, do, I just don't, mm. I'm no interest and it's not a case of relationship building, but um, thinking about playing the long game, so planting a few seeds. So I like to, one of the ways I like to do it is actually look at books that I'm very, very interested in, look at their authors and then go to the author's social media um, account. So a great one is, um, uh, I worked with a client recently who was a money mindset coach and we both love the book, I'm a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sanzaro, which is a great, great book. Mm. But instead of like finding clients in an area that, you know, just kind of out in the blue and just stabbing in the dark to find people that may have problems with their money mindset, um, we actually went, I, I suggested, you know, let's go to Jen's um, Instagram and look at her posts because they're kind of, people leave reviews and she leaves, you know, as- aspects from her group and then look at the comments. And so anyone that's sort of definitely engaged with this, then you can drop a comment under theirs replying um, to that comment, which um, with something sort of meaningful to what they said, and then maybe drop their inbox going, hey, I love this book. I love this book. And, you know, which bits, uh, which bits did you like? I like this chapter, this quote, like, you know, absolutely, um, you know, uh, really hit, hit thing, hit, hit the nail on the head there. And then starting mm. a relationship around something that has a mutual interest is a little bit about, uh, like I was saying, it's much easier to talk to someone that you would normally, if there is a, a context for it. So when I'm on yeah. podcast, I can talk to much bigger players than I would do. Um, so that is one way sort of looking for a mutual interest or for instance, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete. And it's awesome to see kind of entrepreneurs, that are also business people. So when I see on their social feed, they're being for a run, I, I can drop in and we start the conversation about that and don't play play the game where it's like, okay, I want to you know spend four hours to get the sale on this DM. Actually, it may be four weeks before this person comes back and you have to be aware that there is a longer life cycle in relationships because just like you don't go on a date with someone and then ask them to marry you, you know, at, at the end of the date, you know, it, it takes time. So that is really key. I think also Facebook groups are a great opportunity because you can have like ongoing discussions and in the comments, bring other people in. And that's quite a nice way to do it um, as well. Um, and so it doesn't look so sort of um, salesy. Yeah. The other actually kind of actually in both parts, I would say giving an opportunity for going on Instagram lives with people or going on Facebook lives or even running podcasts some of my um, longest clients have come from podcasts that, you know, we've actually had the opportunity where I've invited them as a guest. I found some interest in, in their in their bio, invited them on, on a guest. We turn off record and we continue speaking for, you know, quite a long time. So we're actually, you know, um, speaking to people, which is um, which is really uh you know, it's really nice to build that level of trust. And that can work both ways because they are, they could be a client, absolutely. Or they could be someone that you actually collaborate with. And, and for both, I found that very, very beneficial. Yeah. Um, introductions as well. Like, again, for both, just like in the offline space where, where you have individuals that serve your community. So for instance, for business coaches or um people that i i have another client who she does a lot of uh, sort of financial planning um and so she's working with people she's not she's not an accountant but she's a financial planner she helps with business structure and sort of profit and loss and like working out where to spend um where to, you know to spend when in the 10-year plan sort of thing and she works with kind of middle-sized businesses now um what we worked on with her was actually um building relationships with people that serve her clients in other ways so she's a financial planner but she's not an accountant yet all of these middle-sized businesses have accountants so she goes to all these accountancy networking events on like meetup.com and just very simple you know some formal some less formal she goes and grabs a a drink on a friday night with all the people from um the banks or the bank managers and things like that that they go out and she builds relationships with them and then that indicates opportunity for referral um, when, because these people have no interest in, in her. So, you know, if you're a bank, that's, you, you just do your banky stuff, you know, you don't need anything <laughs> yeah. else. But your clients need, you know, need other support from other places. Um, and there's a complete, you know, no loss situation for them, non-competitive services. So I'd always look also at looking at who the gatekeepers are. The other thing is also like connecting with VAs or digital designers, because, yeah you know they will have clients coming to them that want 
you know, a new pack for their course or a new logo or something. But if you're a business coach and there's someone wanting a new logo, the chances are they're developing a new business and they may need your services. So that could be a really great way to look for clients as well. Building relationships from referral, which is a um, you know much nicer way in when someone's introducing you. Yeah, and what about the collab side? Collaborations. Um, so I touched on a few ways, you know, similar kind of uh, looking for opportunities to uh, have these conversations with people. Just setting a, a calendar link for a Zoom coffee, a Zoom call, you know, whatever. That is, you know, in today's world, that's you know a very useful way. Um, it's very much a, ch- uh, a case of doing a little bit of research, finding people that you think, oh, wow, you know, something's quite interesting or there could be a, a complimentary service. Doing a little bit of research before you get in that call because you don't want to be the person like, oh, sorry, I can't remember why we're, why we're meeting. I hate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you're having, why are we here? You, know, you take your notes. Yeah, exactly. And identify a even like a small, a few small things about them. So make sure you go to their website, make sure that you go to their social media. If they have some kids or, you know, they've got something on their stories about a nice holiday they've been on, just to have something to start a conversation with. Um, but that's a case of kind of actively uh, reaching out to people. But again, you can put yourself in situations where people are in the mindset for collaboration. So like I mentioned, I'm in a mastermind group and we're all there looking to grow our businesses in a big way Mm. and we have mentors in relation to that but when we go into our networking calls when we go into our networking events we're very much in the mindset of okay you know I'm very open um to exploring opportunities here and the fact that people have all invested in a certain amount in that mastermind suggests that they're at a level of their career or a level of their business that um they would be open they're not kind of keeping everything and just you know trying to pay the rent here they're open to opportunities to expand explore um and there may be some some compatibility um so i would definitely recommend looking for online or offline masterminds or networking groups where people are in the right frame of mind to explore and um, collaborations but lots of people get it very very wrong when they go into these environments so they will go for a networking lunch and go with a mentality what can i get what can i get which collaboration can i go with and i would say completely flip that don't even don't go in with the mindset of i want to come out with a joint venture here go in with the mindset of I'm going to look to see how many people I could add value to with my with my services, my knowledge, my my connections or something, you know, my life experience. Go in with the value add approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I alluded to earlier, more times than not, that will come back in some way, shape or form in, in, the, in the form of reciprocity. Especially if you're kind of new in the group, some of these masterminds and networks have been developed for some time and it can be a little bit hard to break in because they've already made their friendships or collabs or, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is. So if you can go in and just go, Hey, you know, um, I don't do it anymore, but in a previous career I did, I know lots of data analysis. I'm happy to help you. I overheard that conversation with, you know, X guy that you're, you're looking to do some um, sort of research on your, on your client base or, or something like that. I can actually lend some tips. Should we just have a, do you want to grab a drink at the bar and let's talk about it? So, you know, look at how you can really add to other people and that will likely come back to you. Mm, do you think there's a, do you think there's an advantage being offline or online when it comes to building relationships? So whether you're there face-to-face in person or whether you're online sending in messages, maybe you're speaking through Zoom. Um, it's, it, I think there's uh, positives, negatives of both. From a uh, sort of a, psycho, a psychological point of view, um, it's very important that people can see each other's body language. We read a lot of information from that and whether we feel trust, uh, trusting in the other person, whether we feel safe and secure in them, whether and therefore you know, are going to divulge certain information about our business or whatever it is, um, and or personally as well to develop that connection being able to see how a person um, uh, expresses themselves is very, very important for us. And we often feel a lot closer to people when we can see them. And obviously that's uh, quite, you know, it's not always possible to be in person with people, but even if you can get on a video call like this, that is very beneficial. In person, it can be great if you are a confident sort of individual and you're happy going, 
out there and putting yourself out there and standing tall and holding your ground and coming across and as you know as as worthy as as you as you sure are um but on the same account if you're someone that really does struggle in that environment because there are people that are more introverted and there's nothing wrong with that and there's the um sort of introverted extroverts and extroverted introverts and all the rest of it um and if you actually find that you don't come across so confidently when you are in person it's something that you're working on um absolutely is a case of practicing because I think that confidence does come through in whatever way and the way you hold yourself does you do embody but you may feel more confident you may be more successful in initiating those relationships if you are in a safer environment for yourself which could be online where you're sending messages or um on on the on calls and things like that so um you know I in an ideal world I'd say you know it is that in-person connection or it is at least on a video call but if you feel more secure and you are therefore able to show yourself in the best way, make uh, explain your business in the best way and have um, the impetus or, or the kind of uh, trust in yourself to initiate the opportunity for a collaboration. And if you find that easier actually through messaging, go for that. There's not a wrong or a right way. Um, and at the end of the day, like all of these things, and just like you say, Luke, it is a case of numbers. Some will be great. Some won't be some people, you know, if you meet a hundred people, you probably won't like, you know, 100 of them. And that's totally yeah. cool. So just a case of getting as many people as you can into your network, identifying who's really you're vibing with, you know, not worrying about the people that you don't and have absolute certainty that you can say no you know you're in control of these relationships you can choose not to see people um or um or you know continue further conversations um and then yeah go from there oh yeah and like you said long-term game yeah i think it's a huge one i think um you know we're we've become so impatient with life and you know pursuing things these days and relationships i think that's what's generally happening if you think about you now the DM situation, like you said, it's the impatience of, yeah. as opposed to being a real human um, and actually having a genuine conversation with people, people are just like, here's my website. Look at my <laughs> website. So just being a real human and playing a long-term game with it and just know that mm, like not everyone's going to eventuate into something. And then don't, not taking offense. I think it's a big one. What would you say for say someone where they maybe, if someone didn't reply or they said no, they get upset by that. What, 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 what would you say to them about what, cause it's going to happen ultimately, if they're going to be sourcing out building relationships, it's going to happen. So what would you say to someone like that, where they kind of get offended or they take it to heart when that happens? I, I think this is a really good opportunity to take the online offline in terms of the way you're thinking about it. Because if you go, think of when you were at school, for example, and there's a group of 30, 30 of you in a class, and you will definitely have your gang of people and you'll have people you'll talk to. And then some that aren't really your friends, but you wouldn't mind, you know, sharing your math book with them or, you know, doing an exercise together. And so, uh, and there's also people that are like the bullies that you absolutely don't want to go with. And there's, you know, the ones that make a fuss at the back. And they're in that situation when you're offline, you will go with different groups. You'll stick with the people that you, you know, enjoy spending time with. You'll, you know, be fine with the people that kind of like take it or leave it. And then you'll tend to avoid the kind of the others. You might, you know, say a few words behind their back. And that's totally like the same online, but we are forced into a situation just because someone slid into our DMs, it means that we have to instigate, you know, a a positive relationship and they have to become a client. You, um, and it's very difficult at the start of your business to even uh, consider the idea that you might say no to a client that's going to pay you, you know, 3,000 pounds, 5,000 pounds, 1,000 pounds, whatever it is. But um, the, the further you get into business, you very quickly realize that the harm of saying yes to the wrong client is so much greater in, in terms of your sanity, as well as, often, you know, many times your bottom line, um, uh, you know, actually, you know, you can say no. And it's the same with relationships. Um, you've got to remember that, you know, in a, in, in a room full of hundred people, like I say, you're not going to get on with everyone. Just like if you put strawberries in front of a hundred people, not everyone is going to like strawberries yet. You know, some people, <laughs> and that kind of, um, you, I think don't be afraid to be 
polarizing and don't be be afraid to realize that other people are polarized too um so it works both ways uh if you if you don't have an in group if you don't have an out group sorry you don't have an in group if you don't have your people um uh you won't have your people unless you have people that don't fit into that some people kind of put marketing as a case of it's not attracting your ideal client it's about repelling non-ideal clients and mm. sometimes it's thinking of it like that um, but it's the same goes for other people as well you will vibe with with them and some of them just won't get on with you so you know it, it works in two ways so really try to think of these conversations um you know as any other situation in life where there will be some that we get on with some that we don't but try to um yeah separate that personal component this if you are dming and no one replies this is a business activation. 20 years ago, that would have been a leaflet you put through someone's door. 20 years ago, that would have been a cold call that no mm. one answers. And it, you probably would have thought of it a little bit differently, you know, in that scenario. Mm. Um, that said, I would flip it and say, hey, you know, if you're going in with a DM approach and everyone's going, you know, either something rude or not replying, maybe it's a case of, okay, maybe that, that one liner wasn't the one that I should choose. Mm-hmm. And you can use that as feedback and information to then adapt your strategy. So um, take notice of it, but don't take it personally. Think of it as a um, sort of a, a business uh, uh, a business move or a, a business tactic. Yeah, great advice. Is there anything that, um, any last messages? Um, I would just say. <laughs> By the way, yeah, when you um, Sorry to interrupt, but when you were saying about the, <laughs> I was just thinking of someone dropping the letterbox, yeah, and like they're getting upset. They're like, they put it in, they're like, oh, and the next one, they're like, ah, oh. <laughs> you didn't do that back in the day. Did you ever do letterbox no, drops? absolutely. Sorry? Did you ever do letterbox drops in any I part did. of your life? Well, do you know, funny enough, my Pilates <laughs> business, that's what I yeah. did. Under my dad's, my dad's, um, you just need to send leaflets and I spent blooming ages on these leaflets and they cut out (laughs) I couldn't really afford proper printing so they were cut out on like a4 paper and then I put a few like near like um (laughs) schools where all like the mummies were hanging out I put them on like the lamp post in 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 your like poly poly folders like the plastic folders yeah um did you have the tear off strips yeah yeah i mean that that would probably be the best best idea i mean for my dissertation it was very effective um when i was trying to get people on my um on my study but um (laughs) yeah i i did do that thing and uh i mean i think i got one or two calls but um i i kind of i think i I remember i'd done all this and then i realized (laughs) i kind of i'd fallen down on marketing quite severely i'd given people an option of like on my marketing thing, I, I'd kind of like Pilates classes for, um, uh, you know, mums wanting to get fit or, you know, that sort of idea. And then like, please ring me to tell me which option you'd prefer for your class. And I gave them like <laughs> seven options of possible classes, um, which is like a fundamental of marketing. Don't yeah. give your clients an option. Just, just tell them what it is and mm. they'll say yes or no. Um, so all of that effort for, yeah, not a lot of returns. So I've been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> So what was that last thing you were going to say? Um, the last thing I want to say is um, I really want you to know that, especially in this kind of this area of networking and, and collaborating and all the other things, um, it's really important to move into uh, a mindset of opportunity and abundance rather than scarcity and competition. Um, I am, you know, through and through very competitive as an elite athlete and I always have been and when I went into business initially it was like I wanted to you know hold on to every client every client was mine every relationship I developed like you said had to be a client and actually the more I opened up the opportunity that okay maybe they weren't a great fit or maybe there's another you know another chance or hey what can I learn from this person that has exactly the same audience as me um you know and what how could we perhaps you know support each other and now I'm at a stage where I'm confident in my own ability to deliver in my own way that I'm you know I do have collaborations with people that literally do exactly the same thing that I do that were athletes in the past that work with um kind of entrepreneurs in a very similar way that have you know more or less um same same packages but the thing is I we all there's room for all of us and each one of us brings a very very unique um way of being a very unique identity a very 
unique sets of life experiences to any circumstance. So even though I can stand here and say the exact same thing, um, you know, as, as a colleague doing something very similar uh, about networking or whatever it is, they will resonate with a different group of people than I will. So yeah. when you open up to the possibility that we're not all trying to, you know, compete each other, compete with each other all the time and realize that there's you know seven and a half billion people on the world and there's space and enough money and enough individuals that need support than any of us could ever know what to do with you open up to that opportunity and you open up to a whole world of possibility to learn from people to connect with people to um, mutually benefit each other's audiences and, and rise with the tide together and um, so that does take some work um, but really think about the fact that you know you it can it can happen to you you know there is there is enough for all of us a space for all of us um and never be scared by the competition look for opportunities to learn and grow from that all right jim where can uh, anyone listening where should they check you out where should they head ah oh. Well, um, you can <laughs> find the day-to-day -day happenings on Instagram at Jem Cooper, J-E-M and then Cooper. Um, and my website is www.carriejemimacooper.com uh, where you'll find my uh, coaching and also my new book, which is coming out very, very soon. Woo! Hey there, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And if you've enjoyed the, the episode, please, I really, really appreciate it if you leave me a review. And you can also find me on Instagram at Luke underscore page.